honor, a great privilege for me to be here this uh, morning. I so much uh, count it as uh, uh, a great joy in my life to minister to you wonderful people. Amen. Uh, you know, I saw you in the rally, most of you, and uh, it's just a great sight. Uh, you know, uh, the gospel makes you understand a few things that, you know, we are one family. Amen. That, you know, we can be from uh, different parts of the world, but when we come, God has put us together to be one great family. Hallelujah. Uh, I find it as an honor for Pastor Gregory and his wife, you know, Yen, to invite me to be here to minister uh, uh, to you and uh, share this wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, I got saved many years ago in the church in Chandler under Pastor Campbell. I come from the nation of Zambia. You got a great map over there. You can see it. Uh, nation of Zambia is somewhere near Southern Africa there. And uh, I left Zambia to go to America so that I can run away from the poverty. Amen. <laughs> and I got to America. I got there. And uh, a few years later, uh, I'm in the church. A few years later after that, uh, pastor is telling me, can you go to the nation of Nigeria, back to Africa? Amen. And I've been there for 16 years. Amen. That's the gospel that God can take you wherever he wants you to be. And listen, it's a great thing that God is doing in that nation. We pioneered that church. That church has now launched out uh, seven churches, eight pastors. Amen. Hallelujah. We just give God for glory for that. Uh, it's got nothing to do with me, but it's got what God wants to do in the earth. And there's everyone here, God wants to use you like our sister was just testifying here. From the Philippines, uh, God brought her here so that he can use her in the song service. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That's a wonderful thing. I just want to uh, share with you this uh, morning uh, a message uh, that I believe every Christian here, uh, as we are gathered uh, this morning, uh, uh, you uh, could be stuck uh, uh, in a, uh, a gear, you know, like a car, you're just in gear one. Uh, and because of the events of life and the difficulties of life, the hardships of life, uh, you find that most of the times your faith begins to seep out. Amen. You begin to find that uh, your life is no longer as, uh, uh, as uh, fluid as it was before. You know, you, you used to believe God, uh, and as you serve God, you believe God for certain things, and they don't begin to happen. And we can get frustrated with that. And the devil knows that if you can frustrate a man for a period of time uh, or a woman for a period of time, you'll find eventually they lose faith. Amen. But I want uh, this uh, 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 morning, by the grace of God, if I could uh, re-inject in you and uh, revitalize and uh, get your faith to be kicking once again like God wants it to be doing. Amen. So uh, let's turn our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 17. And we're going to read from verses 24 to verses 27. A very interesting portion of scripture of what happens here. It's a very unusual miracle. But it takes faith for all this to happen. Uh, let's read uh, uh, that text there. Uh, verses 24. When they had come to Capernaum. Those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the temple tax? He said, Yes. And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him, saying, What do you think, Simon? 
From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? Peter said to him, from strangers. Jesus said to him, the sons are free. Nevertheless, lest we offend, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the first fish that comes up. When you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this great privilege, God, and honor, almighty Father, to be here, God. I count this, God, uh, God, a great privilege, uh, dear God, almighty Father, God, to minister, God, in this place. God, use me. I reduce you, increase. Speak to your people. God, connect with your people, God, this morning. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, to start off, let me tell you a story. Uh, there is a billionaire, a multi-billionaire, and uh, this man uh, has a thing that he does every year, or I don't know how many times a year, but he does it every year. Uh, he's been doing this for several years. Uh, he's a multi-billionaire, very rich man. So what he will do once a year is uh, he will disguise himself. Uh, he will dress up, you know, just like a common person, grow a beard, look different, uh, you know, whatever he decides to do that particular year, he does it. But he makes himself look common. But he carries a bag, puts money in there, lots of money, and uh, begins, he goes out into the public and uh, gets into the trains and gets into the buses. And, uh, and in everything that he's doing, his aim is so that uh, whoever he feels, uh, uh, you know, uh, pressed on his heart, uh, he will give them money. He gives money to beggars. He'll find a man who's homeless. Uh, he'll give them thousands of money, buy them a house. He'll find uh, uh, people who are just destitute and helps out. And he's done this for many years. But uh, the story goes that one day he got on this. He was doing the same thing. Uh, he got on the buses. He got on the trains. But that day he didn't feel pressed upon his heart uh, for, to give anybody. So he, you know, it's, he went on the trains, went one way, came back on the buses, and nobody, he never felt pressed until in the late in the evenings, he's heading back to his hotel, and he's in the bus, like of the BRTs here, I believe. He's sitting on that bus, and he's headed back to, 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 uh, you know, to his hotel, and there comes in that bus a man holding a little girl. The girl is about maybe four or five years old. And uh, they come in and they sit right next to him. This man, uh, uh, as this sits down, he says, he looks at it, it's a bit odd. He says, uh, hey man, you know, starts a conversation like he normally does with people. He says, what's happening? And they ask this man, uh, and this man starts narrating a story to say, listen, I'm just from work, I work two jobs. I'm picking, I pick up my daughter, this is my daughter. I come from work, uh, I go in the morning, I drop her off at my mom, my mom helps to take her to school, then when she comes back, then I go, my mom is also an old woman, you know, and uh, you know, I go to work, I work two jobs, and I come back in the evening, I come pick her up because I have to have a relationship with my daughter. So I pick her up and I go back home and we do this every morning and uh, you know, the man says, where's the mother? He says, oh, my wife died about three, four months ago. She had terminal cancer. 
and uh, we'd been in hospital for so long and, uh, you know, treatment and all that, and we accumulated a huge bill. And this man's heart starts pounding. This is the man. Today, you know, there's nobody, but this is the man. And, uh, you know, uh, he continues and says, you know, we accumulated a lot of bills, and uh, that's why I work two jobs so that I can settle those bills, the hospital bills. So I got a big, you know, debt, and, you know, so that's why I dropped my daughter off. And he just mentions this stuff. Out of just the blues, you're talking to a stranger, and he mentions this thing. And this man knew this is the man that today I'm going to bless. He turns around, opens his little bag, and pulls out a check, and writes a check for $2 million. $2 million, he writes the check. Remember, they're in a bus. It's a common place, and he writes $2 million and puts the check and waits for this man. And, you know, they compensate. He, the man gets to a place where he disembarks. He gets his daughter. She's sleeping. Carries her on his shoulder, you know. And as he's about to leave, he says, thank you, brother. You know, as he's about to go, the man says, wait, man. Pulls out this and, you know, gives him this piece of paper. It's a check for $2 million. This man, you know, is, uh, goes out, uh, the baby wakes up, you know, and uh, he puts her down, he gets off the bus, he disembarks, the bus is pulling off. Uh, this man says, he turned, he's on the window, he's looking at this man, and he's giving him the thumbs up, and you know, this man goes up, he looks at this check, you know, he keeps pieces of paper, he looks it up, says he looked at that piece of paper, the check, two million dollars, blank name, go fill in your name, and he looks at this, he looks at this man. This man is, you know, giving the thumbs up. He says, man, God bless you, you know, as the bus is pulling off. This man looks for a moment, holds his baby, takes the check and rips it. Throws it to the trash. As the man is looking, he gives him some finger gestures that I don't want to do here. <laughs> and he walks off. You see, that is what most of us do in the kingdom of God. We walk back to our problems every day out of church. We come into church, we worship God, and God tells you, believe me. This man, I don't know what was in his mind, probably he thought for a moment, you know what? How can a man who has $2 million be riding the bus? Yes. That don't make sense to anybody. Yeah, yeah. Amen? Amen? This guy is playing with me. I share a little story. He should be crazy. Yeah. It's one of those crazy people messing with me. Amen? Yeah. Taking advantage of my problem. You know, yeah. people walk into a church like this and they'll look around and say, you know this little church, what's going on here? This pastor can't feed me with the things that are going to deliver my life. We underrate, we underestimate, we look at people and when we think about it, we look at, you know, can this man riding the bus in the middle of the night, stressed out, be giving me $2 million. If he had $2 million, he should be riding a Mercedes Benz. It would make better sense if a man comes up with a Bentley or a Rolls Royce parks next to you and tells you here's a check for $2 million. But not on the bus. Amen. In our text we find here, Peter owes money. Peter is broke. 
Amen. And it turns out Jesus is broke at the same time. Hallelujah. <laughs> They're both broke. They don't have money. The temple people, because a Jewish man has to pay tax every year, uh, you know, uh, to, to, the, to, to the temple. And they come up to Peter and Jesus. The, the people collect the taxes and they say, hey, Jesus, uh, uh, you owe some money. Peter is there, he owes too, isn't it? You know, in life I've found out we all have some kind of debt. There are people here, it's truly financial debt. You owe somebody money. But most of us, we find we owe our parents something. Hallelujah. You know, for what they've done for us. You know, to, to be a parent, when I was young, my mom, my mom, you know, my dad, they, they were going up and down working. I didn't think that was much. I would just come up and say, I need money for school books. I, need, I didn't know until I became a parent. I said, this was hard work. Hallelujah. You got to be pulling out rabbits out of the hat all the time. A kid who asks for money, you don't have money, you got to think, where am I going to get money? Hallelujah. It's hard work. When you grow up, you begin to realize I owe those people something. I've seen, you know, friends that have helped me over the years. I've realized I owe them something. Hallelujah. There are people that have taught me, my teachers, my, my lecturers, and all those things, my life, uh, that if I could produce something good, I owe them something. Hallelujah. In my church where I am as a pastor, those people who come every day to listen to me and do what we need to do, I owe them something. Hallelujah. When I look at, you know, my, 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 my wife, she's been with me for 21 years, following me through the trenches of ministry and everything like that. I owe her something. Hallelujah. Yesterday I was sitting down and I'm thinking, I looked at my pastor, Pastor Campbell, for the investments that is put in my life. Uh, and the thing, I owe him something. Hallelujah. All of us, we can go through life uh, and sometimes we ignore these facts. But we find out that we owe somebody something. And I'm not talking here in the financial arena. I'm talking you owe them some honor. Hallelujah. You owe them some prestige. You owe them, you know, something that is just, you know, I give back like to my pastor, Pastor Campbell. I want to give back that when one day he looks at that church in Nigeria, it will be something that he will be proud of. He'll be proud of his investments, his prayers. Everything is done for me in that nation to lift me up, to put me up, send me out, put in resources endlessly for years. And you know what? One day when he looks at me, he's going to be able to say, I, hey, you know, I've gotten something out of this. I've seen, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, men and women, we are gathered here. You can look at your husband, you know, the wife and the sacrifices over the years. You've been here, you've been there, you've gone through bad and good together. You've gone through difficult times, you've gone through sickness, disease. You name all these things, you've gone, and at the end of the day, the person is still standing next to you. You've, you know, you are, you are a flawed human being. You've made mistakes. You've, you've, you know, the, but the, perp, the person is standing next to you. Your pastor, you know, you've gone out there, done crazy, gone out and been crazy, came back, and he's still being patient with you. You owe him something. You find out in life, it's not just money we owe. We owe a lot to many other people. You cannot go through life without accumulating some type of debt. Be it spiritual, 
physical and emotional. I owe God. Amen? A man like me, destitute, sinner, on the path to hell. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for me. And in that, I owe God my life. Hallelujah. When I yield my life, it's not because, you know what, I know Jesus died for, but it's because I found out in my life, Jesus, I owe you. My life is the best thing I can ever give you. Take it and use it. But to pay back all this is hard. Amen. When I look at it, I say, listen, I'm like Peter in this text. I believe most of us in life, we're like Peter. When you look at this, you find out that, you know, you owe and you cannot pay. I look at my mother, I go out and visit her, and you know, sometimes I'm broke, I don't have money, and I look at her and say, listen man, this woman deserves more than this, but I can't pay it back. I'm looking at my pastor sometimes, you know, he was preaching yesterday, I'm thinking, man, this man, I wish today, even, you know, yesterday, I wish I'd come from Nigeria with probably a good $10,000 that I'll just sleep towards him. Amen. You know what I'm talking about, somebody. I see him is getting old, he's cranking, he's pushing through life, but I say, you know, I wish I'll just come up one day and just be a blessing. You find that, you know, when you look at life, you, you're so inadequate. You don't have what it takes. Peter is not in that place. Jesus is in that place. They're both broke. Hallelujah. Peter had accumulated debt because he had followed Jesus. He had abandoned his economic enterprise of fishing. Now he's following Jesus, and as he's following Jesus, you find out now he is more broke than what he was when he started. Can somebody say amen? amen. You know, have you noticed that, you know, as you follow Jesus, me when I was working in America, I had a little bit of change here and there. Say amen. But you know what, now I'm following Jesus, I'm a missionary in Nigeria, and I get up in seven places when I look at my bank account, I say, God, have mercy. <laughs> amen. And you know, that's when the kids are calling and this one is doing this. And you, know, you go to the bank account, you're praying, God, just, you know, there's too many, there's zero, zero, zero. You're praying, God, put a number in front, you know. <laughs> just put a number in front, God, help me. But he's following Jesus. This is Peter, he's following Jesus. He gets to a place where but there's nothing. There's nothing in the coffers. And you know, people are demanding on him. Hey, dude, you got to pay. You have to pay the temple tax. Give. And Peter is stressed out. He comes out of that meeting with these tax collectors. He goes back into the house where Jesus is. And Jesus, the Bible says, he anticipated him. Listen to me, somebody. Whatever you're going through, Jesus anticipates it. He knows what you feel about your parents. He knows the debt that you owe. And he anticipates you. I know as a child there are many people here. You look at it, you look at your parents and say, God, I need to give them something. Hallelujah. I need to do something in life that's going to account that you know what is going to... God looks at that and he anticipates that. 
when you come to church, he looks at you, he anticipates that. And that means he knows before you even ask. He looks at you, he knows the stress you're going through. Peter came in probably sulking, probably feeling defeated, discouraged that day, coming back to say, where am I going to get money? I'm following Jesus, we are struggling here. How do I even ask him? Because I know the coffin. I know the last money we spent the other day. We bought food. We are always moving up and down. There is nothing in the coffers. What am I going to ask? What am I going to say here? But Jesus anticipated. Let me tell you, Jesus is anticipating you today. He's looking at you and he's saying, I know what's going on. I know he knows what's going on in your life. Oh, you'll be like me. You're looking in that bank account. Zero, zero, zero. He's saying, you know what? I'll put a number in front. But he's anticipated you. Amen. He knows what's going on in your family. He's, he's anticipated you. But we get to this place. Interestingly, Jesus now says, Peter, let's have a chat. To whom do the sons no, pay taxes. They own, if you own this country, I believe the kings of, Ni of Malaysia, they don't pay taxes. Amen? Because uh, if you're a king, you own the land. So you don't pay tax. Everybody pays taxes to you. Jesus is the owner of the temple. That's what it means by that. I'm the owner of the temple. They pray to me. But if the son, the owner, to whom do the sons pay taxes? Uh, you know, the strangers or taxes, you know, strangers or sons. Peter answers it correctly saying, listen, they, they pay to the strangers. The strangers are the ones who pay. The sons are free. So the sons are free, right? But listen to me. You know, Jesus is not, what that means, he's not obligated to do and help you. Amen? You know, you know, sometimes we feel like God, we want to bind God to do what I want him to do. Most of Christianity today, I don't know about here, but most of it in Africa is like God owes you. I owe God, God don't owe me nothing. We spend time a lot looking at God like, God, I've been a Christian for so long. You have to give me this. God looks at you to say, to whom do the sons pay taxes? You are the stranger. I'm the son of the kingdom of God. The sons are free. Hallelujah. You know, most of us, we make that error. That we want God. You know, it's been taught. I'm, 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 as I'm developing and I'm growing as a Christian, I'm beginning to find some things I've been taught are wrong. Amen? I come up, I've been coming to God for years. God, you need to do this for me. God, you need to do that for me. And God says, I don't need to. Hallelujah. To whom do you think the sons pay taxes? To whom do you think, you know, the, 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 the strangers or, or, or sons? I'm the stranger. I owe him. Hallelujah. He doesn't owe me nothing. And listen to me. When God blesses you, it is out of his grace and mercy. It's not because you're special. It's not because you're tall or short or because you're handsome or pretty or whatever you see yourself to be. I'm articulated, I'm ointed. It's, it's out of his grace and his mercy. He looks at you from that point, point of mercy and from there he takes from himself and he blesses you. We drive cars, we live in homes, we've got kids, we've got, we sometimes we think it was all my doing. No, it was out of his mercy. Amen. We find that he has mercy on Peter. He's not obligated to pay. 
Because he's the son. That's what he's saying. I'm not obligated to pay. But Peter, for you, for me, we are the strangers here. We are the outsiders here. And for us, he has mercy. The blessings we enjoy, we better realize and come back to the mind frame and understand it's out of his mercy. It's grace. We are saved by grace. It's not because I walked into the church. It's not because, you know what, I got in one day and, you know, because I say the prayer. No, it's out of his grace. He just felt mercy on you, mercy on me. I'm preaching the gospel today. Whatever I'm enjoying in life, flying here, preaching there, doing this and that, it's out of his grace. And don't take that lightly. Christianity has begun to take things lightly. I'm frustrated with African Christians. Amen. Everything is entitlement now. Come into church, you know, you want to give tithe, you want God. It's like God, you owe, God owes you something. You give a tithe, you think, you know, God is got. Oh, I give this tithe and God, you got to buy me a car. Who told you that? Amen? Give it, you know, frustrate me. They come into church, I mean, I'm like, dude, come on. You know, they come in there, when you get a prayer meeting, everybody, they don't pray for nobody but themselves. If you say, let's pray for brother, the prayer, the prayer session goes quiet. Let's pray for so-and-so. <laughs> but if I say, let's pray for you, it gets louder. Why is that? Because you know what? Entitlement. I'm a Christian. I got to have this. I got to have that. I got to have that. It's out of mercy. You know, we find here, Jesus looks at Peter and says, I'm going to do it for you. And he does this. And now let's engage here to the rest of the story. I love this story. He says, Peter, here's what we're going to do. You're going go to go to, to, to the lake. Go cast a hook. And the first fish that comes out of there, open its mouth, there'll be money in there. Now, listen to me, somebody. You know, Peter is a fisherman. Can somebody say amen? amen. You know, it's like you, you know. <laughs> I'm telling you, go to church. You find there, uh, go to, to the, to, to the, to the, to the, under the speaker, and uh, when this, once you lift it up, you're going to find money there. You'll be like, man, why would Pastor Gregory leave money there? <laughs> Amen? Yeah. It's like, you know, uh, you know, uh, wife, you know, your wife, if you've been married any period of time, you say, go to your husband and just kiss him. He's going to release money. It's hard to get money out of any man. <laughs> Amen? Just kiss him. Every wife will be like, I've done that so many times, he don't give me nothing. <laughs> Here's Peter, you know, Peter is going to go out there and, you know, I, he, the, the, the Lord tells him, Peter, you're a fisherman. Go to the lake. He's fished. Remember, he had fished fish that his boat was sinking. None of them had money in them. Amen? And this time you're being told something that's weird. Listen, if God is going to reignite your faith, Put you back. Peter, the time Peter cast your net on the other side. And Peter would cast the net. Pull, and would catch, you know, loads of fish. Peter has been following Jesus for so many times. And he's forgotten faith. Amen. And Peter, God is trying to redirect him. If God is going to redirect you. So that your faith will be able to be kicked back. And take care of all the needs. And be able to bring honor and pay back the debts and take you to another level. Because most of us get flat. 
We believe God, we rise up, we believe God, then we flatten out, we plateau there. Amen? And we begin to stay. If God is going to lift, because God wants to lift up your faith in this church. You've got to believe that this church is going for great destiny. Don't be satisfied. I know you did a great thing in the rally. You're giving, but God wants to bless you more than this. Amen? God wants to raise up this church to be a conference church. You have to see that. But before you see that, God is going to have to kick that faith again. And to do that, he's going to take you on an errand that doesn't make sense. It's like you praying here to say, listen, we're going to buy this building. And you look at the money and the money coming in, it don't make sense. Say amen. He's going to have 30 churches out of here. From where? Amen. We're failing to get two people into church. Amen. Just to get somebody. And then you're telling me 30 couples are going to come out of here. It doesn't make sense. Amen. Go out there. Cast the first hook. The first fish that comes out of there. Open his mouth. And pay for you and me. Do you still believe? Can you still believe God can take it to another level? Can you believe that God has other things? Like the billionaire. Like that man who looks at that in a bus. Two million dollars. You know how many of us are just like that man that when God says let me kick your faith to another level right here in church as I'm preaching even right now, you're already reaping that check. God, I can never be up there. I can never rise up. This church can never get up there. Amen? How? It has never happened in Malaysia. It has never happened in Asia. It has never, you know, we can go on. Peter could have said, God, it has never happened. I've been a fisherman since I was a little boy. I've fished, I've caught so many fish, but I've never found one that's got money in it. Amen. I mean, hallelujah. I've been with this man for 50 years. Never have I kissed him and he released money. Somebody say amen. I mean, it's hard to believe in these moments. God wants you to kick to another level of faith, but what you do is you're pulling back because doubt and unbelief comes from your experiences. The experiences of life have a way of just making us mellow out. Just making you just, you know, begin to just flow at a certain wavelength and live life to be that way. But I'm telling God today wants to kick you to another level. Wants to kick this church to begin to believe to another level. You have to know that Malaysia is in your hands. You have to know that this city, this nation, people are in your hands. Can God tell you that one day you'll see a Christian prime minister in this nation? You know, all of you that, that right there, the check got ripped. Right there. Everybody rip that check quick. Pa pa pa. You crazy. Amen. Everybody rip that check. Shoot, man. He doesn't let him go back to Africa. 
Well, they're Christian. Here it's not going to happen. But listen, there's a God in heaven. And it's telling, kick your faith up. Go out to the river. You know, I named this sermon, Take It to the Bank. You know all that man needed to do? Two million dollars check? Shoot. Just go to the bank. Just take it to the bank. All he needed to do is listen. I don't know who that guy is. He might be crazy, but he might have two million dollars. Curiosity. Your faith has to have curiosity. To your faith, you've got to add curiosity and adventure. When I was sent out to Nigeria, we just got announced. We're coming down from the, you know, from the stage and we're walking out there. Pastor Mark Tozer, he walks up to me. He says, Bitwell, go out there and just make it an, make it an adventure. I took those words as an adventure. I feel, I've been in Nigeria 16 years. It's a, it's, it's, it's a deplorable country. No roads, no water, no electricity. Listen, I live like that. I've never seen 24-hour electricity. I've been there 16 years. But it feels like I've been there one day. Because everything is an adventure. When there's no electricity, I'm excited. <laughs> no water, I'm excited. No people in church, I'm excited. Because why? What is God going to do? Where God is going to get these people from? Amen? Curiosity. Where is God going to get these couples that are going to fill up this church? Where is God going to get the money to come up and build us this? Where is God going to get us? How is God going to put a Christian on the throne and the prime minister of Malaysia? How is he gonna? I'm curious. I want to find out. Peter went to the lake to go cast him. He took it to the bank. This man, $2 million. I'm curious. If that guy is playing with me next time, I'm going to catch him. I'm going to cut his head off. But I'm going to the bank. Amen. I'm going to the bank. I'm not going to have... Listen, I'm carrying that check. I said, brother, thank you. You're crazy, but I'm going to the bank. I'm not going to doubt before. Let me take it to the... Peter was told, go and cast a hook. And money will come out of... I think Peter, as he was walking, said, the Lord is crazy. But I'm going to the bank. All I'm saying to everybody here is God is putting some things into your mind. And you're walking and saying, God, this is crazy. Take it to the bank. Peter took it to the bank of the river. He's going step by step. He's, he's thinking in that moment, man, what happens if really there's money in the mouth of a fish? I'm going to have a story to tell. Amen. Me, that's what I do. What happens if one day, you know, we find a conference in Nigeria out of our church? Man, that sounds crazy. But you know what? I want to find out. Hallelujah. Yes. The things that you have to find out. Faith is curiosity in God of his power. Yes. What he can do. Yes. You know, it's not just, you know, uh, I want, we, we like to fashion our faith the way I want. I believed God and we went out reaching and, you know, people came. Listen, there are people coming to this church who never even outreach to them. They'll just be passing through and, you know what, boom, turn in here, sit down and get saved and get married and soon they're going out there. You don't know. They're coming from backgrounds. God has already got them. 
somewhere. They are the remnant. And God is going to say, I'm going to give them to you. But you know what? Can you take it to the bank? Can you put your faith on the line? Because Peter is putting his faith on the line. The Lord gave him instruction and left it at that. Peter, go, go to the bank of the river, do this, and you know. And curiosity carried him to that place. But you see, there is a sort of hell in all of this. As you're moving, you'll find that hell, the in-betweens of life. From where you believed God to where God was something for you. Amen. There's the in-between. Where you're moving, you say, man, you know, it's like you come to church. I preach like this. Uh, you get a sermon and say, man, I'm a believe for that job. Hallelujah. I'm a believe I'm going to be the manager. I'm a believe that one day I'm going to see this church go to that level. But now between what you believed to when God delivers, the in-between. That's what the devil assaults us. Come out of church, you're victorious. As you leave, he says, how do you think it will happen? As Peter is moving from where they were with Jesus, going to where the lake was, to the, he's thinking, how this, and I've seen so many people back out right here. I've seen pastors give up. I've seen men and women in church believing God for healing, believing God for deliverance, believing God for stuff. Here they started off good. They said, yes, I'm going to the bank. But as they're moving, something, the devil begins to speak to them. They get discouraged. They get, you know, you know, tired. They get, you know, lazy. All that stuff. And you begin to say, you know, I don't think I believed right. The devil begin to say, I don't think you, you know, did you hear God right? Did you hear Jesus? Did he say go buy a fish? Maybe if you buy, the merchant would have left some money in the mouth. He's trying to hide it from his wife. Say amen. Somebody. You know when you see your wife, you got money. Put it in the mouth of a fish. Maybe go to the market. Maybe go to the market there. That's where you'll find the guy has mistook, hid his money. That's probably meant the market. I've seen people divert here. Divert to other things. This is where in between. That's where the bombardment. Hell watches for you to get in between. You know the devil doesn't mind you believing God. He minds it when you receive from God. Because that makes you stronger. And makes you believe for more. Hallelujah. So what it does. He watches us for those in between moments. This is where you're moving and he says. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Look at Adam and Eve. It was the in-between. <laughs> you want to be like God? God cannot do, God cannot do this. God. Oh, okay. Judas is the in-betweens. These are the places where the devil, you've believed. There are people here you've believed for something years ago. And it has not, you've even stopped praying about it. The in-betweens. Amen. You believed it one time you sat on an altar here or in your own place and said, God, I'm believing you for this. But the in-between happens. God is saying, you know, you look at God, how will you give it to me? Abraham, it's an old man. And in-between, he got touched by God at 75 years old. And in-between, God says, I'm going to give you a son. He says, I don't think so. With Sarah, we're old. Listen, go into my maidservant. Amen? They birthed Ishmael. Most of us are birthing Ishmaels. Because in between, 
Where God says, I'll give you a son. He looked at Sarah. Girl, you're old. Hallelujah. You know, you go, how would that, how would that happen? Logical thinking. Rational things. Because that happens in between. You know, I, I mean, listen, man, even myself, I'm having problems, you know. I'm getting old. I'm going to be 50 this year. Amen. And I'm looking at myself. I say, certain things I can't do anymore. Hallelujah. Find out, you know, to, to move a certain way. And it's like me, God telling me you're going to have, you know, I'm, God, I'm 50 years old. How's that going to happen? Hallelujah. But you find that it's in between where the devil speaks the loudest. You know, in between, you got to know to keep hearing that voice that Jesus spoke. When he says, go to the lake, cast the, that's the voice that you got to keep burning and listening to all the time. There are promises that I believed God. And I believe God has told me this is going to happen. And I'm saying it's been 10 years. It's been 15 years. I've been a Christian for 25 years. And for 25 years, there are promises that have not yet come to pass. But you know what? I am believing them. Hallelujah. I still hear the voice of God. When we talk about the end time theology, hermeneutics, it's talking, you, you know, we, we, we. God said the world is coming to an end. It's been 2,000 years. Some of us are like, it's not going to happen. Hallelujah. It will happen. Yeah. But it's an in-between. The devil begins to speak the loudest there. Yeah. Between where God told you something to where he's going to deliver. Amen. That man cut that check because it was in-between. I don't think that guy is straight. Rip it off. Let's conclude this sermon and get to the, word, to the conclusion and you know. Uh, get to pray and believe God for a moment. We find Peter gets there and he casts the hook. Because the story just ends right. They go there and pay for me and you. He never came back and says, hey Lord, I went. He just tells us, pay for you and me. It happened. Hallelujah. A few years ago, uh, there was an interview of this, uh, uh, you know, great rich man. We all know him, Bill Gates. I was sitting in an interview with a lady. And uh, she asked uh, Mr. Bill Gates, she said, Mr. Bill Gates, uh, what is the secret of your success? And Mr. Bill Gates, as he was sitting down there, he pulled out a check. It was a blank check. And this is on TV, uh, you know, people are watching. You know, people want to get nuggets from Bill Gates. And uh, he pulls out this money and uh, this check and gives it to this lady. And this lady in the interview, she says, No, 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 Mr. Gates. I'm not asking for your money. This, you're embarrassing me. This is on TV. You're going to give me a check? It looks like I'm doing this for money. No, no, Mr. Gates. She gave back, the pushed the check back. And Bill Gates says these words. He says, right there is my success. And she says, what do you mean? He says, me, when you give me an opportunity, I take it. You see, young lady, I give you an opportunity. I'm, one of, I'm the richest man in the world. I give you a blank check. What did you do? You returned it. Because you have these factors working on you. They'll see me on TV. They'll think this. They'll think that. It says, for me, I don't miss opportunities. 
That's me. Let me leave you with the word, Christians. Don't miss your opportunities in God. Being in church is not just I'm coming to worship and sing some beautiful songs, listen to, to, the, to the worship team and listen to pastor preach. It's about an opportunity God has given you to believe him to get to high places. Amen. It's about what God has said, I want to change your life. I want you to become a testimony in the earth. There are people here, God wants you to win your whole family. But when he lifts you up, people will be saying, what happened to that guy? Which church does he go to? What does he believe in? Amen. And they'll follow you because of that. But because most of us are not taking advantage of the opportunity here. The preaching. How many in your rally? Wonderful preaching. You got wonderful preachers. Pastor Gregory. Beautiful preacher. Hallelujah. He's preaching every day. It's an opportunity. But you know what? We come in, it's just become formality. It's a register. I was in church. Did you see me, Pastor? I was here. All right. No, it's an opportunity. This is a blank check from God. This is a blank check from God. Every time you come into church, it's a blank check. Matthew 21, 21 to 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will, uh, you will not only do what has been done to this fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Do you believe that? Do you take that and say, this, God has just given you an opportunity. Believe. Be Peter, believe. Go out there. Peter went there. You know, faith has these dimensions. One of it is you can't comprehend it. It's not like, you know, you can sit down and figure it out. Scientists wants to want to figure out stuff. But faith you can't. Because it's God who just expects you to create an environment and he's going to move in his way. Most of us are dwelling, you know, recently, and you know, I'm taking a bit of time, but let me just, uh, uh, let me just, let me just drop a few things into your spirit. Uh, my wife and I, we've been married 20 years. 20 years came up last July. So last July, my daughters came from America. We had, a, you know, had a lot of financial, uh, you know, burdens because we, you know, just a lot of stuff going on. And it came up to July. We didn't do anything. I'm looking at this girl. I've been married to her 20 years. We got married, we didn't even have a wedding. At a small little occasion, there was nothing. I've not given her anything tangible, you know. And I'm looking at her, and again, I am broke. Amen. I'm looking, I said, man, I married this girl 10 years, 20 years ago, broke. 20 years later, I'm still broke. Amen. <laughs> I got nothing to, I love my wife. Her name is Mary. I said, listen, man, you know, I sat around, I said, okay, God, what do we do? So one day I was in the gym, you know, I tried to work out a little bit. So I'm in the gym and, you know, one of the gym guys I have there, uh, you know, and he's, 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 he's so I, I, I know him just like, hey, what's up? You work out buddies, you know, nothing beyond that. And uh, so I say, hey, man, uh, what's up, Chudi? He says, hey, I say, Chudi, uh, I don't know where it came from. He was leaving. He had already left. I said, hey, Chudi, come back. He came back. I said, hey, listen, man. Uh, I mean, uh, what kind of cars do you have? I know he sells cars. I said, what kind of cars do you have for sale? He says, ah, what kind of car are you looking at? I said, listen, I'm looking for a Mercedes Benz. He said, I don't have. I'm joking. 
I just said, what kind of cars do you have? He says, ah, you know what? He tells me, ah, I've got this, i got this, i got this. I said, ah. Then he tells me, you know what? Because in Nigeria, we buy these uh, uh, second-hand cars from America. They bring them in, and we buy them second-hand like that. Uh, that's where, you know. Uh, so uh, he tells me, you know what? I said, I'm looking for a car. I said, he says, how much? I said, listen, just what do you have? Then he says, I've got this car. Uh, it's a Ford Taurus. And uh, I brought it into the country about four years ago. It has refused to sell. Amen. I said, uh, you know, let me, let me have a look at it. He brought it around. It's a beautiful car. Beautiful car. Mileage is good. It's not run anywhere. Good V6 engine. I mean, beautiful car. He says, listen, man, it's strange. This car, I got a friend of mine. Mine is new, relatively low mileage. This other guy has driven it in Nigeria. If it's been driven on Nigerian roads, don't buy it. Amen. <laughs> but he's saying, you know, I've driven this car on Nigerian roads. And I put up the two cars. This other guy came and bought this other used junkie and left my car. A man came from another city, came and looked at this car. He said, this car works every day. And he came in, got into it. Boom, that day the AC didn't work. I said, is that the car you want to sell to me? <laughs> I mean, I said, uh, said, the AC didn't work. The moment the guy left, uh, a few hours later, I went in to try the car to park it. Boom, I turned the AC. The AC was blowing good. I began to say, you know, I said, this car, what's going on, man? You know. <laughs> so to make a long story short, I ended up, I said, listen, I'm going to take that car. He says, well, you could pay me anytime you want. No, I bring that car. I said, baby, come here. <laughs> she came out of the house. I said, look, 20 years anniversary. Here's your brand new car. Not a brand new, but you know, good car. Oh, my wife loves that car more than me. Hallelujah. <laughs> but it did not come the way I wanted. When God gives you things, it's going to be through fish. When he wants to kick your faith, it's going to be in ways that you don't expect. But he expects you to keep on believing. Listen, I'm looking. I don't have money. I'm God be my witness. I didn't have a dime on me. And I'm buying a car. Because this guy, he's using a guy that's not even like, you know, my friend. It's nothing. Like, he's just saying, take the car. Listen, in Nigeria, for anybody to give you things before, before seeing money, they don't do that. But this guy is willing to do that. I buy this car. And you know what? It was, I still sit down today and say, God, how did you coordinate that this car for four years has been waiting for my wife? This guy just put it under a tent and just left it there. For four, it's, it's just sitting down there. Nobody could buy it. And God tells me, <laughs> I, I got things that you don't even know where I put them. See, it's up to you to believe they are there. It's there. It's for you to believe it. It's to take it to the bank. All you have to do is take it to the bank. Take it as it comes. Amen. You know, years ago again, I close with this story. We were moving from one building to another. So you know how that goes. Uh, we're moving from a smaller building to a big building. And we're trying to do remodeling. We're trying to paint the building. And I've run out of money. The Sunday before... No, about a month before, 
A young man washed, walked into our service on a Sunday evening service. He was chasing a girl in one of the girls in our church. He didn't come for anything else. Listen to me, somebody. He came in, I know, you know, I could see his, his, he came in and he talked to me, how are you doing, pastor? Good, good, good. He left and I didn't see him for a month. I'm seated down and I'm saying, God, we need money. We need money. I'm desperate. Workers are working. There's no money to pay them. I'm talking completely busted. There's, there's nothing. I'm sitting down. I'm saying, God, we have, and I'm talking, they're about to close. This is in the evenings. I got to give them their day labor. They are working. They are breaking walls. They are doing stuff. And I'm saying, God, where is the money going to come from? Because buying materials, doing this, doing that. You know, I'm sitting down there and I'm saying, God, help me. And I get a phone call. Boom. It's this young man. Hey, pastor, can I come and see you? I thought, man, he's coming to see me over that girl. Hallelujah. <laughs> man. I said, man, I'm in the church. He says, pastor, I'm on my way. Wait. It took him two hours. I'm waiting. I mean, it's two hours I'm waiting. Finally, he shows up. He says, Pastor, how are you doing? I said, what's up, man? You know, what's going on? He says, ah, Pastor, listen, that's why you've not seen me for one month. I started a job. I've been working for one month, and I just got paid, and I felt God tell me, my first salary, I need to give it to the church. I got up. I said, hey, boy, so, so you got the money here? <laughs> But this guy, man, pulls out this khaki paper, man, this envelope. And, and pastor, I just want to obey God. Take it. And he disappears. I've never seen him since. I said to those workers, where's your supervisor? He came up. I said, here's the money. I'm looking. Because, listen to me, take it as God gives it to you. You can't go up and open the fish mouth and say, ah, oh, but, but God, from it stinks, hallelujah. From fish, I don't, listen, God is going to give you blessings. Everybody here, let me give you a word of prophecy. God is going to, is lifting up this church. Amen. And as he's doing that, that people are coming in that you don't even, you probably wouldn't witness to them on the streets yourself. There are people are going to come in, sit next to you. They are not the caliber of people that when they talk, they probably they don't even know how to speak good English. Or don't know, but God has brought them in. Hallelujah. You take them as they are. The thing is, God is going to cause into your family. You won't like them, but it will elevate you because the wisdom people are going to see in your family. I say, this guy, it will put you up and you bring honor to your family. You begin to pay debts. Hallelujah. You begin to look at, you know, the things that are going to happen with your friends. There'll be a meeting and when you go up there, you will just say something and everybody's going to turn. And it's not going to come your way. Sometimes God does blessings in ways that we shouldn't be expecting. Because he wants to show you that what your mind thinks and what he thinks are two different things. And it's going to bless you. There are people here, you know, finances is going to give you a job that you were not interested in. But that's where his blessing is going to be. There are elevations here that God is going to do things amazingly. And you're going to sit down and say, God, how did you do that? I sit around every day when I look at, I'm preaching in our congregation. And people are sitting down there worshiping God. And I'm saying, God, how did you do this? With a guy who didn't have a clue about anything. 
And you know what? How did you do this? And God tells me, <laughs> chill out. Just open the fish. Take what's there. Go pay for you and for me. Amen. Go and testify to everybody about me and you. What I've done in you. Hallelujah. That's what it is. Go now. Just my task is that when God does this, shh, I go and testify. God has, me and my church, I'm the biggest testifier. Hallelujah. <laughs> Everything happens. My wife says I talk too much. I said, I got her. <laughs> Amen. Says you talk too much. Everything that happens, you got to testify. I said, you know, I got her. Because you know what? It's just God. Yes. Yes. I'm paying for him and for me. Amen. Yes. You have to do that. Yes. God, listen to me, everybody here. You're coming out of church today. I want, if you can, God can kick your faith. And you begin to believe for more than where you are. Because that's where God wants you. Amen. He knows you're running dry. But he says, I can pay your debts. Amen. I can pay your debts. In my family, I was the worst guy there was. I was a liar, scammer, you name it. Amen. Today, I go back, I'll sit with my mom, my whole family, my nephews, everybody, they go through me before they make a decision. And I'm wondering, God, how did I get there? God is able to change things. Change everything in your life. There are people here, you're looking at, how will my family respect me? I became a Christian and you're going to lead that family. Amen? God is going to lift you up in his way. I can't give you how. I can't tell you he's going to do it A and B and C. No, but he is going. You have to just believe. All you have to do is take it to the bank. Go cash that check. This is an opportunity. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Amen.